Philippians chapter 1. So Paul, Paul is speaking this word to a beloved community. Probably uh, of all the letters that he wrote, it's the most heartfelt. Uh, of all the communities that he wrote to in the New Testament, um, he speaks with the greatest affection uh, to the church in Philippi. And uh, this is my heart for you guys, too. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to fullness at the day of Jesus Christ. It's right for me to feel this way about all of you because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it's my prayer that your love would abound more and more with knowledge and discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I want you to know, sisters and brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it's become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers and sisters, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. <clears throat> what a journey. 13 years, four months since I, since God tricked me and brought me to Tierra Nueva. I just wanted more Holy Spirit. And God said, well, this is where it's at. And these are the people you're going to learn from. I have received so much here. And you have blessed me so deeply. Paul says in verses 3 through 5, I thank my God every time I remember you. Always in every prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And that partnership has looked so many different ways. But one of the core ones that we talk about at Tierra Nueva is that we, we read scripture together different backgrounds, different life experiences, different tattoos. We sit down around scripture together and we learn from one another. It's not top down. It's not uh, Bob has all the answers or Gracie has all the answers or Mike has all the answers. We all have the answers. We all have the same Holy Spirit and we learn together. It's called mutual liberation when we read scripture together. I have learned so much from you all. And I've got to see God at work in some wild and weird and powerful ways. That's the partnership of the gospel at Tiernueva. And just as I'm um, going to be absent, Paul is absent from this community that he loves. They weren't just partners in the gospel, they were friends. And that's what's true for you guys and me. We're not just not just a pastor, a friend. 
You're not just people that go to Tiranueva's community. You're friends. In verses 7 and 8, Paul says, It's right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And I just feel that so deeply for you all. And of, of all of the amazing things that I've gotten to be a part of at Tiernueva, it's this gathering here. For the, for the last three months, I've left every Sunday feeling really sad and heavy-hearted because this gathering of Jesus' beloved tattooed friends is so unique on the planet. And it's been such a gift to be a part of it. And I, I will miss you with the affection of Jesus. I won't be a stranger. I'll, I'll come back and visit. But for now, I feel that. I feel that really deeply. And Paul says that we are all partakers in grace. You know, one of the songs that we, we love to sing is Reckless Love. Right? That, that grace is God's free gift. We couldn't earn it. We don't deserve it. Until he gives himself away to us over and over and over again. Grace is God's unconditional rescue. It's unconditional freedom, forgiveness, healing, transformation. And, and because we, we can't earn it and we can't, uh, we can't deserve it, it also means, and this is grace, we can't lose it. If we couldn't earn it and we didn't deserve it to begin with, how could we possibly ever lose it? Isn't that amazing? I learned that from you guys. I discovered a Jesus here that was better than what I've, I'd been told. And I'm a, I've said this before. I'm a Pharisee in recovery. And this is a recovery community for me. As Carl and I were just saying, one day at a time. Okay, one day at a time. But that's, that's what it means for me. That Jesus is kinder than what I grew up believing. Jesus is more loving. And, and Andrea said it uh, earlier, Jesus actually isn't surprised by any of our sin. He's like, oh man, I can't forgive that one. That's too much. There's, the grace of God is that there's never too much. There's never too much. I watched Jesus set people free from shame, set people free from bondage to unforgiveness towards others and unforgiveness of themselves. It's always the hardest person to forgive. I've seen demons flee at the name of Jesus. I've seen people healed in their bodies and in their hearts. One of the things we see all the time around here is baptism that radically changes people's lives. That hadn't been my experience in the church. I believe the baptism was a good thing, but man, baptism rocks. Look out. And we've all been a part of this together, partakers of grace with one another. You know, sometimes all of that work, we, we can attach to a leader or a personality. We can attach it to Bob. We can attach it to Gracie. We can attach it to me. And, and I don't want to have a false humility that somehow downplays the fact that I've had an impact in this community. I know that I have. But I'm also just the donkey he rode in on. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. Jesus is the one who changes us. 
And Paul says it like this in verse 6. I am confident of this, that the one who began the good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. In other words, God who began the work is the one who's going to continue the work and the one who's going to bring it to fullness. And I've, I've been really privileged to be, play a part in some of that in your lives. But like Lorinda and I were talking earlier this week, and I know how important to her our regular meeting has been, and it's been really important to me. It's been a real mutual uh, growing together. And I, I've seen God do so much in her life in the three years that we've been talking and praying and reading scripture together. Uh, but whatever I've had to contribute to what God's doing in Lorinda, God's the one who's doing it in Lorinda. Mike's not doing it in Lorinda. God started it. God will continue it. God will bring it to completion. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. You know, most of my conversations these days aren't really about uh, me teaching Lorinda anything. It's about all the things that God's been doing in the six days that we haven't talked. God is at work in crazy ways in our community, quite apart from what we do here on a Sunday. And that's, that's also partaking in grace. The same God that's been at work among you while I've been here is going to continue to be at work among you. And actually, the promise is God's going to bring you into fullness. God's going to bring you into fullness. Be confident of that. I am confident of that. And then Paul prays for his friends. And this is my prayer for you all. That your love would overflow more and more. And that you will keep on growing in your knowledge and understanding of God and of his love. So that's, that's my prayer. I pray all the time, Father, take them deeper in your love. God's love changes everything. We don't become more like Jesus by trying harder to be more like Jesus. We become more like Jesus by being captured and captivated by his love and transformed by it. That's how we become more like Jesus. So Paul has encouraged them that God's at work with them. He's, he's told them how, how much affection he has for them. He's prayed for them. And then he makes this astounding statement. He says, what has happened has actually served to advance the gospel. How's that, how's that possible? How's it possible that Paul being uh, imprisoned, Paul being quarantined, Paul being locked down and not able to be with his beloved community, how is it possible that that could advance the gospel? Paul has been the A number one evangelist. He's the guy out there telling everybody about Jesus. He's the one planning the churches. He's the one doing all the teaching. And the Philippians look to him for that. They look to him to teach. They look to him to lead. Uh, they look to him to tell their friends about Jesus. And now he's gone. And, and it doesn't look like he's going to come anytime soon. He's not able to be the number one missionary. So how is it possible that Paul's imprisonment would actually advance the gospel? Well, there's, there's two, two ways. The first one is Paul's always been about the mission of Jesus. 
That's his life. To live is Christ and to die is gain. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul is completely, overwhelmingly in love with and surrendered to Jesus. And so wherever he is, people are going to hear about that. So all that's happened is he's got a new audience. So the gospel is advanced because Paul's not in a place that had been on his missionary itinerary. He hadn't planned to be in prison, but he's there. And so lucky guards, lucky fellow inmates, they all get to hear about Jesus. You know, I know, I know many men uh, and women, but men who have been, who've ended up incarcerated for one reason or another. And, uh, and they love Jesus, but they've ended up in jail. And they, they begin to minister to people. There was a, a guy I met with regularly up in uh, Whatcom County Jail. He had been uh, a really faithful disciple, uh, but struggled with addiction, and he relapsed. And um, uh, got arrested for uh, possession with intent to sell. Ends up in jail. I'm, I'm visiting them every week, and we're praying together. And, and when I'm not there, he's leading, he's leading Bible studies in his pod. He's praying with guys. He's leading guys to Jesus. What happened actually served to advance the gospel. When I first came to Tierra it might have even been the first time that Bob took me into the Skagit County Jail. Uh, what we used to do is Chris Hoke would play his guitar, and Bob and, and whoever else was accompanying him would, would go around the circle and lay hands on guys and pray for them back when we could lay hands on guys in the jail. And, uh, and we came to this, this young Russian guy named Andre, and we were praying for him, and Bob looked at Andre and said, I just see the word evangelist on you. Like, do you like to talk to people about Jesus? He said, oh, I love Jesus. I love to talk to people about Jesus, but, but my addiction has gotten the best of me, and has landed me in here. Well, well, because he wasn't uh, a full citizen of the United States, uh, he was up for deportation, and, and Bob worked really hard to keep him from being deported, but he got deported back to Russia. And while he was in Russia, he landed in Moscow, and he didn't have any contacts in Moscow. And somebody connected him with this community of, of pastors who were former addicts, former uh, incarcerated men uh, in Siberia. And, and they had started a network of churches where all of the pastors, once they got out of prison, they went to recovery. And when they got out of recovery, they went to Bible school. And they started these churches, and every church had a recovery house. And uh, I got to go visit that place with Bob and Gracie uh, many years ago, and it, it was our people. It was another Tierra and, uh And it was something that God did in a, in a situation where, number one, first he was incarcerated, and then he was deported, and that served to advance the gospel. That served to advance the gospel. We never know what's going to advance the gospel. But I do know that whatever this next season is that God's taking me into, uh, I'm going to get to share all of the fruit of what you all have taught me at Tierra of what you taught me about the love of the Father, what you've taught me about listening to the voice of Jesus, the Good Shepherd, what you've taught me about the power of the Holy Spirit as we prayed for each other. 
I've also discovered here God's passionate priority for those, as our friend Neeters would say, those who live in the struggle. And I see the Bible through new eyes because of your stories and the questions you ask and the thoughts that the Holy Spirit stirs in you. Scripture has come to life. All of that stuff gets a new audience, uh, an audience that would have never heard that uh, if, if God hadn't used you to pour into my life and now is going to take my life and plant it somewhere else. There's, there's actually a, uh, you know, we've got these strawberry plants and the planter there behind, uh, behind you guys. And uh, you know the, the runners when strawberries are, are spreading out? Uh, that runner in Latin is apostolos. Uh, the Bible calls that apostle or a sent one. And, and what that is, is the, the runner has all of the DNA of the parent plant. And it goes out, and then it finds the good dirt, and it sends down roots, and a new plant comes up. And that's what God's doing with me. I'm a sent one from Tierra Nueva. And I'm going to be planted in Bellingham, but God's going to have me connected with people all over the place. But it's all of the DNA of this parent plant is in me. And God's sending me out so that I can set down roots somewhere else. So I get to take the fruit of this vineyard to people who would have never heard this any other place. The other way that Paul says that the gospel is advanced is that the people had been depending upon Paul to be the one to teach them and lead them. He was going to be the one that was going to pray for them. He was going to be the one that was going to talk to their friends about Jesus. He was going to be the one to encourage them and build their church. And now he's not able to do that. But what it says is that um, now the brothers and sisters who formerly were shy about that have become bold. And that's already happening. I mean, you all started uh, meeting together on Wednesdays and going out and praying for people just a couple of weeks ago. And that's something we've done in the past, but it's been reignited. But I'm, I'm really excited to see how God is raising people up and empowering them, empowering you guys uh, to advance the gospel here in ways that maybe you wouldn't have uh, if you were waiting on me to lead you or waiting on me to do something. I free you in Jesus' name. You know, God has, God has so clearly called me. This is not something that one day I thought, oh, I want to do this. I want to do something different than what I'm doing. It wasn't that at all. God really clearly called me into this next season of ministry. It's God's plan, and my job is to surrender and to follow. And just as this next season is God's plan for me, this next season is God's plan for you. And your job is to surrender and follow. So let me pray. Jesus, you know, we sang earlier, uh, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Jesus, we surrender. I bless my beloved sisters and brothers here beloved daughters and sons of our Heavenly Father. Thank you that you have gathered us together in your love, that you have chosen us and set us apart.
to make your name famous on the earth. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Pour out your Holy Spirit fresh upon us that we could take you to a broken and hungry world. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Right. I'd like to invite a few people to kind of come around. We'd like to just extend a hand towards Mike and maybe you have a word of prayer. We're going to just pray for him now and uh, give him an official Tierra Nueva send off. You know, sometimes this can be called prophetic presbytery. So if you have a word that you feel like God has put on your heart for Mike, feel free to share it. Make sure we use the microphone so everyone can hear. Let's pray. God, we thank you. God, we thank you. Oh, you don't have to repeat my prayer. <laughs> That's okay. You can pray your own prayer. Though. God, I thank you for Mike. Just praise you for him. Thank you for his years of service here. Thank you for the way he just gave himself to, uh, to, your, to your ministry, your kingdom, to announcing the kingdom, to raising up disciples, to... Um, just serving in all the ways that he served. I'm so, so grateful. Thank you, Lord. And I just ask that you would uh, pour out your spirit on him as he goes into this next season of, uh, of ministry. And I thank you for the fruit that's going to come out of that ministry in Bellingham. That, um, you know, you say unless a seed falls into the ground and dies, it can't bear fruit. And we don't want Mike to die, that's for sure. No. But Lord, we just thank you that in his leaving us, it's like a death for us in a way. But we know that you're going to bring a lot of fruit out of this. And I just bless you, Mike, to be fruitful and to to just uh, be fruitful and multiply. And I just bless you with strength and wisdom and discernment to be able to bring the word to the people that you're ministering to. And I got a scripture for you from Isaiah chapter 49. You know, Mike um, has a sword that he felt led to get at one point that he's carried, had up in the corner of his office. And check this out. Isaiah 49. This is actually about an arrow um, and a sword. Okay. The Lord God has called me from the womb. From the body of my mother, he named my name, Mike, in this case. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. Okay, and I think I really see God wanting, God's made your mark, your mic, your, your mic, your mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid you. He made you a polished arrow in his quiver. He's hid you away. And he said, you are my servant, Mike, in, in whom I will be glorified. And, um, and so I just thank you, Lord, that you, uh, you know, you've given Mike a sharp sword in his mouth of your word. Yes, thank you, Lord. Go ahead and pray. Thank you, Mike. We'll miss you. Yeah. you too, if anyone has something they want to say or pray, go for it. I feel like what Bob started to say was actually maybe a uh, maybe a prophetic word about Mike being Mike to God. And um, I just uh, I just bless you to magnify the Lord. You know. I mean, that's what you have been doing as you've been worshiping Mike, is you've been, um, you've been magnifying the Lord. And I, I just pray that you would be that Mike 
you know, microphone is something that magnifies like this. You can hear this better than if I talk like that, right? That's better, right? And so that's that's what we're called to do is to magnify not ourselves, not our own thoughts, but we're supposed to magnify the name of God, He's Jesus. And so um, I just bless you to be that magnifier wherever you go and wherever you feel afraid that you would remember that you're not supposed to have to prepare. Not, of course you prepare, but you don't have to worry about what you're going to say because God will make you be the one that magnifies you. Mike, uh, the Lord's just telling me to just to say to you that, um, man, you have changed my life and had just a profound impact on what it means to love no matter what. Um, you have seen me at my worst and you loved me anyway. And I'll never ever forget that. Um, you let me into your home. You, you wrote me when I was in prison and you loved me through a lot of stuff. We did Genesis together in 2013, almost the entire year. And uh, you changed my life. And the Lord wants you to know that you changed lives. Just being who you are, you represent what it means to be a man of God. And I love you very much. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Mike. And I just want to bless you right now. And I thank you for the friendship. And you've been a very good friend. And I just bless all your future friendships and your, uh, and your adventure uh, for God's sake. And I give you strength to uh, stay courageous and with us. And to uh, stand firm as you have always stand, you always stay firm. And I uh, just appreciate that. And I uh, appreciate your honesty and your straightforwardness. That's always been a blessing. And uh, it's your wisdom and understanding. And uh, in your, your thirst for more, more that God and God has given Mike more. He's blessed Mike for the abundance of the wisdom and understanding and discernment that he has. And uh, fill him up with that. And uh, let him pour it out to the community where he goes. Amen. Father, we are so grateful. We are so grateful to you, Lord, for sending Mike here for his 13 and 400 times. Lord, we're also grateful, Father, that you are calling him unto yourself and sending him forth. And God, we release him in the name of Jesus. We yes. send him out in freedom yes. to be all that you have called him to be. God, we bless him now in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the scriptures even that he preached on. God, those are your that's your word, Father. That's your word, God. Even we remember our brother in the same way in which he is re remembering us. Now, Lord, each day, God, we ask that you would give him grace to surrender. Father, ears to hear what the spirit of the living God is saying to him. God, that you would grant him discernment from your, your hand, from your heart. God, that he would walk when you tell him to walk. That he would speak when you tell him to speak. Father, you would be quiet when you tell him to be quiet. Lord, in the name of Jesus, Father, we bless him now in the name of the Lord. And we release him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, we're going to pass um, on to the, our time of communion.